Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and for now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have a very good show because guess what, folks? We get to talk about college basketball and not just North Carolina basketball. Thankfully for me, we're going to have a great episode because we got our friend from the ringer, Kyle Mann, and we're going to introduce our new segment. We got Good Man, we got Bag Man, we got Kyle Mann, and of course, we got Kyle's man. We're going to get into all that today. We're going to talk about some of the teams that have already punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament, teams like Drake, teams like UNC Asheville, teams like Kennesaw State for the first time in NCAA tournament history, all that coming up and more, but first... Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. And now joining us on One Shining Podcast, I'm so fired up about this uh, appearance. He is, of course, the Ringers' gay Kyle Mann, a person that I've been a fan of from afar. And now I can actually talk to him on a microphone on a show. It's official. Kyle, man, welcome to OSP, man. I'm fired up. Me too, man. I've been, uh, I've been, I've had a little pep in my step today, just ready to do this. <laughs> Cause I feel like you and I, like, I don't know, whenever my, my wife gets this like look on her face, whenever we go to a party and she can tell I've gravitated to someone or I've discovered someone, you know, I went to the, uh, I don't know. And, and she could tell that I've like locked into a conversation that won't involve her. I don't know. At the Ringer, we have college basketball fans. They're around. You know, like right. we have people that are into their their teams. Like Rogers, big into it, and you can find little pockets. But I feel like you and I have kind of gravitated to each other, even though you you know we were talking about you left basically right as I started at Ringer, 
And yeah, you were waiting for me to leave. You, uh, there, there's only enough room for a couple blue bloods at the ringer. So Bill was like, okay, Carolina's out. Kentucky's in. Let's bring in the number one program. And, uh, you know, you guys have eight national championships. You're striving for nine, as we all know. So Kentucky, you know, you, you got the number one spot. You got the number one seat. But at the end of the day, even if the blue bloods all have this competition, obviously, with each other, we all kind of love each other too. You know, we all kind of have this, there's a certain air about the respect that's there where it's like, okay, we're yeah. having a conversation. We're at the adults table and then the kids table with the new bloods and the true bloods. They're trying to yell at us, but we're keeping it blue blood as always. Yeah. I think there's something too, like, you know, obviously whenever you guys, I feel like the, the mutual respect thing is true. Like, you know, Kentucky fans are usually consumed. I always say that like, you know, Rupp Arena is like a like an old like Southern Baptist like cathedral. Like we don't really yeah. stand up and clap unless there's some issue like we're threatened. I don't know. We could go <laughs> down that, and there's a lot of problematic ways to go with that. But I mean, just <laughs> we don't really think about UNC unless you guys are like in our crosshairs. Like we yeah, don't David Noel we don't is coming down the baseline and he's throwing down a big dunk like he did in 2006. That's when Kentucky fans are like, "Wait a second, I don't like this. I don't like what's happening." I kind of described the Rupp Arena. Experience. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that, but. <laughs> The rubbering experience to me is like uh, it's Carolina, a Carolina setting, a Dean, a Dean Dome setting, but with the the passion and the the angst of the NC State fans, but winners. You know what I mean? Not the insecurity of the NC State fans, but the fact that they they're really got the the bravado to tell you that they're the best, which I I do appreciate that about Kentucky fans. And my dad grew up working in Bowling Green, Kentucky, so you know I I know a little bit about Kentucky just as a kid. So. Look, the the point of the story is that you and I have a lot of common like a lot of commonalities and now we get to come together and talk about basketball and it's not going to be just about the blue bloods but in general it's nice that we have that in our back pocket. Yeah, I and it's sort of like whenever I don't know if you've ever like gone to like look at a house, you know, and <laughs> have you ever had this experience when you go look at a house and somebody else shows up, there's a little bit of overlap between your show times and you show up and you don't know that person, but you guys right. have mutual interests in that moment. And you're just like, who, who, the, who the fuck is this? Like, who <laughs> yeah, you're is this sizing person? each other like, up. You don't yeah. human. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I could care less about that person. But in that moment we have mutual, we have, we're after the same thing. And that's kind of how I feel about UNC fans. Like we have a lot in common, you know, I feel like the generational thing, which is something I'm like very excited to talk with you about because I know some about UNC stuff, but like, you know, culturally, historically quite a bit, I guess you could say, but not as much as you obviously. And I'm excited to hear about like the, the experience with the lore and the culture from your perspective <laughs> and where the parallels are. Um, I'm excited about all that stuff and the current season, like you said, in beyond blue bloods, cause there are a lot of teams, as we know, a lot of storylines, a lot of shuffling of the deck with the conferences, uh, excited to dig into it. Yeah, we're going to get into all that. But first, I think we got to do some uh, some housekeeping, which I think is uh, a lot of people at home, the OSP fans, obviously they know producer Kyle, um, who is on the show. But now we have you on the show. So that leaves me in a bit of a, a, a sticky situation where I have two Kyles. And uh, when I'm refer referencing one Kyle, there may be some confusion. So I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to work this out together before we get into the nitty gritty of the basketball. But what, what should I do to differentiate for the fans at home so they know I'm talking about Kyle Mann? Again, this is a, a new segment here. We got, you know, good man, bag man. We got Kyle Mann. So maybe that obviously helps by doing the double name. Should I do that? That's what Michael Lombardi used to do to me back in the day. He would just say Tate Frazier, you know, like as if there was another Tate in the room. He's like, I don't know about that, Tate Frazier. Should I, should I bite that and do the Kyle Mann? Should I do the double name or should I, should I, what's the J for? Is the J for jumper? 
Is it for James? Is it for Joseph? Should, should Some I... people might say that. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by the beauty of the jumper, yeah, you would think that that would be the case. No, I mean, I'm a lifelong to, 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 you know, first, last guy. I don't know. Okay. Have you had that your whole life? Like, people are just like, Tate Frazier. Like, yeah. they don't just call you Tate. Yeah, I get a lot of Tates because there weren't that many Tates, you know, around me. But when Lombardi started doing the Tate Frazier, it picked up a little bit, you know, around the ringer offices. And then if I ran into people out in the world that listened to GM Street at the time, they'd be like, oh, my God, there's Tate Frazier, you know. And I'm like, oh, thanks. That's nice. Yeah. But uh, I, I think we'll just do Kyle Mann. You know, we got producer Kyle. I don't call him nephew Kyle because I think he is an extraordinary producer. And also, if you look at the charts, producer Kyle's got three shows in the top five. So for all the haters at home, take that. Yeah. Um, so we'll go producer Kyle. And then we'll go Kyle, man. We'll go the double name. So we we got that solved. Um, and then there's another crisis that we have to address here because this weekend um, you had, what, a power outage that was happening. So you weren't able to watch some of the basketball. So so can you explain that to us? And then and then we'll jump in from there. I was getting pissed, Tate. It was a tough. I was going to say another <laughs> nickname I went by was K-Bone. That was something that they oh, called K-Bone. me. I, that that started right, maybe, as a joke. I'll pull that out. Uh, yeah. And it went for like five years. <laughs> I shouldn't have put that out there. Uh, but. No, uh, yeah, this weekend we, uh, Kentucky, I don't know if North Carolina is like this in the spring. It's like basically living in the in a room with the most unpredictable person imaginable. Like it's yes. like you just, one day it'll be 80 degrees. Like on March 1st, it was like 82 degrees. The next day it was freezing cold. The next day we had like almost tornado weather. So we got slammed with some heavy winds and uh, trees fell all over the place. And uh, we've basically just been kind of refugees from the weather. So I missed a lot. And cell service was down. So I was basically in our backyard trying to get, you know, little 40 second spurts of the Kentucky game on iHeartRadio. And I'd like take a couple (laughs) steps to the left. I was trying to like triangulate. (laughs) It really was pathetic if anyone had seen it. but there was a, there was a lot of uh, catching up on synergy, like the live experience. I actually snuck down to like a Mexican restaurant for like thirty five minutes. And my wife was like, "Where are you?" I was like crushing the beer, like trying to <laughs> yeah. just get a break. Uh, <laughs> Love that. So yeah, th- I didn't catch a lot of stuff live, but I'll be curious to see how our live experiences differed. Yeah, I wanted to basically do a bit because of that, because you brought we brought it up. You were like, well, I have no power. I have no cell service. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with what's going on. And again, this was going to be our first show together on OSP. So we wanted to be locked in. So I decided the bit would be in case Kyle missed it. So I can run through some of the big things that happened in the world of basketball this weekend and uh, tell you the, the bare bones of what happened. And then we can see even if you did see it or didn't see it and we can dive into the nitty gritty of it all. But I think it all starts with Houston and Memphis, right? That was the game to me that uh that really had my attention so first and foremost did you watch this game did you see this game kyle in case you missed it i saw like 75 percent of this game um, okay go ahead i'll let you i'll let you talk about it up to, to start. well i well i was gonna say there was a there was some conversation about the fact that cbs cut away from this game at the end of the game they cut away to show drake and bradley uh do their starting lineups which Tip of the cap to the mid-majors. I like that. In, in a world where all the top dogs get the, the top treatment, it was nice that CBS said, you know what? No time for Jim Nance, who's calling his alma mater, Houston, uh, in a big game against Penny Hardaway in Memphis. No time for that uh, at the end of this game. Let's cut and make sure you see these two teams. So that was fun. That was the way that it kind of uh, you know got in the crosshairs of America. But luckily for me, I was in North Carolina. I was at my home with my family, and CBS did not cut away in North Carolina. I'm not sure what that was about, but maybe it's because <laughs> Kelvin Sampson's from North Carolina. I don't know. But regardless, they did not cut away. Uh, And if you didn't see at the end of this game, Kendrick Davis, uh, transfer from SMU that's been great this year from Memphis, has an amazing final, or what you would think would be the final possession to tie this game up, makes a beautiful layup. Memphis last year, we remember, beat Houston at
at home. It was about a day apart, and it was a big game. It kind of was the, you know, wait a second, watch out for Memphis, especially Jalen Duren as we got to the NCAA tournament. So that was a game that was in the back of my mind. Memphis plays great in this game. They're wearing the Memphis State jerseys, right? Penny's in the all-white. He's locked in, looking good. But then at the end, as Houston has been prone to do all year, they somehow figure out a way to win this game. Jamal Shedd, some would say it was a push-off. I would say it was just a strong basketball play. Gets a shot up at the end of this game, a little mid-range jumper. It goes in. Jim Nance is on the call, losing his mind for his Houston Cougars as he gets prepared for his final March Madness run. It was just this perfect moment to kind of illustrate what college basketball is this month. And it was a great, you know, precursor for what's ahead. And in that moment, as Houston did that, there was something in my gut that said, oh, man, I think Houston's going to be in Houston. I was worried by the fact that they were a little, you know, confused or a little pressed by the pressure by Memphis. You know, Lomax did a great job. Kendrick Davis is doing a great job putting pressure on those guards. They had a big turnover late. Jarris Walker had a, a travel that was pretty big in the backcourt. That, that was a little mm-hmm. bit frustrating. And then, you know, they uh, the second turnover as well. Um, so that, that kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit with Houston. But at the end of the day, Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars get it done. What was your big takeaway just from the 75% that you saw in this game? Because I came away saying, hey, Memphis is going to be a tough out for anybody, but also Houston looks like they're the real deal. Yeah, I think Houston, you know, even if they hadn't converted that game or or like gone the distance and made the necessary plays that they needed to, I don't know that their situation would have changed a whole lot. You know, I feel like my feelings about them are about the same, but you're right. Like Memphis, uh, Kendrick Davis, there was an interesting sort of dynamic between how aggressively Houston like guards screens and like when they come to the level of the screen, like the big guy comes up and just like rushes you. Like they, when they when they hedge hard, like when they come up, the the, the they the kind of blitz you, screener you know? defender, the big guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they blitz you. Yeah, and they hit you with that initial contact. Um, but you kind of have to play through that. And like something interesting that was going on was like Kendrick Davis would see those coming. Eventually, he started to adjust to it. Right. And he, he split a couple of those traps, man, and it was nasty. And he'd get all the way downhill, which that's what you have to play through if you're playing Houston. And I think you hit on something, too, that is like, yeah, they keep finding these ways to win. They have that DNA of like those UConn teams from like the early 2010s, like when they would just have, you know, I'm not going to say they have a Kimba or maybe they have a Shabazz Napier level player on there, but they would have, they would always just have these like shot creator guys who could like get you through, could get hot. And I, I feel like Houston has that when you combine like their team defense. Yeah, man, I absolutely think this is the best threat that they've had since probably the eighties, man. I mean, honestly, this is the best right. uh, college basketball team they've had since then, I would say. And I think the casual fans, like I, I was watching PTI the other day and they they brought in Jay Billis and uh, Will Bond, you know, he's, he's the best. And Will Bond goes, look, I, I don't know anything about Houston basketball. Uh, so Jay Billis, you know, explain to me what's going on here. Houston's good again. I feel like that's still the conversation about the Houston Cougars as if it's this novelty act. And I just want to remind people at home, Houston made the final four two years ago, two years ago. They made the Elite Eight last year, and that was without Mark, and that was without Sasser. So you got those two guys now. You got a guy in Walker who I've seen him projected as a lottery pick, right? So this Houston team has a lot of talent. They've been there before. There's an argument to be made that Kelvin Sampson is the best coach in the country. There's also an argument to be made that his son, Kellen Sampson, is the best assistant in the country. So you put those two together, and you got a really you know aggressive, good team 
they can really make a run. And the fact that they're playing in Houston with Jim Nance on the call for the final time, going to Houston for the final four. I don't know about you, but you start adding all up these pieces. And I'm saying to myself, it sounds like a pretty good story for the Houston Cougars to, to kind of get over that hump and potentially get some redemption because we're, we're right now at the 40 year anniversary of Lorenzo Charles, the, the, you know, the, the air ball and then NC state, the cardiac pack get the win over, of course, Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler, one of the greatest teams ever in 1983 with Houston. So I don't know as, as I'm watching that game and it all kind of works out for Houston there at the end, there was just something in my gut that says, this is a team that is going to get over the hump. That's going to be playing in Houston. And I don't see a world in which they don't become the favorites um, at some level. So that is that is kind of the big takeaway for me. And I just want to let people in America know that this is not shocking. This is not shocking at all. The Houston Cougars no. winning a championship is not going to blow anyone's brain. And they lead the country to me in playing hard. I know that's the dumbest thing ever, but that team plays hard. They, they do not falter. They're not afraid of anybody. And the length and the way that they play defense, that aggressiveness like we were talking about, them blitzing those guards, I just I, I I just don't see a world in which Houston is not in the second weekend in the Elite Eight and eventually in the Final Four. Yeah, and uh, the only two things that you could maybe nitpick them on, but they have big wins against you know good teams. And the other thing, you know, that they're like 133rd in the country in, in three point percentage. I actually was I like set out to make a point about that. I was like, wow, I wonder that the last time like a tourney favorite was or like I wonder what the percentage was in like. 20 years ago or so. And I went back and looked and like in 2001, it was 35.2. So it hasn't moved at all, but the, the attempts <laughs> have moved. And if you think about maybe their shooting variance could, could wobble a little bit, but you know, the defense is the thing that is probably going to get them through, you know? Mm. And I just think I also, we're probably going to get some pretty awesome cutaways to Clyde and Akeem in the crowd. I don't right. want to be deprived of that. When was the last time we got that at the final four? It would just be, a, it would be a nice, uh, it would be a nice symmetry, but I, I definitely think they're a team that's going to be a tough out in the tournament for sure. And if the NCAA tournament committee, the selection committee is what they used to be, they, they love storylines. And and one storyline that I think that they may lean into just because we are at the 40 year anniversary is the fact that Houston's going to be a one seed, potentially the number one overall seed. We'll see what happens. But if they are, I think there's a world in which that the committee says, you know, what would be fun. Let's put NC State as that eight, nine seed. And let's have NC State <laughs> yeah. match up with them in the second round. And I think a fascinating matchup to me just with, you know, my one Achilles heel that I point to with Houston is pressure. And the one team that I know that will press all game is Kevin Keats and NC State. So the idea of them trying to get that full narrative where we got Houston and NC State and potentially this big rematch and then Kevin Keats is pressing the entire game, that to me would be good basketball. That would be good theater. That would be good drama. So if I'm the selection committee, I'm hoping they're listening right now. Let's make that happen because I think America deserves that. And then, like you said, we get all the cutaways in the world and that's in that scenario where they're showing Clyde, you know, they're, they're probably showing Sydney Lowe in the crowd, right? They're, they're doing the whole thing. And uh, that would be good because the 80s is so nostalgic for basketball and the fact that we mm -hmm. can lean into it. Why not? You know what I mean? That, that's what I want from the NCAA selection committee. Let's lean into it and let's get a matchup where we get Houston and NC State. That's all I ask. You just want the you just want America to be introduced to DJ Burns. That's what you want more than anything, right? <laughs> right. I can just feel that. Right. I mean, can this you feel the the, tw the Twitter moment that's coming when he starts to get some buckets. He gets on a little run. 
It gives me, uh, it, it reminds me of like a Julius Hodge. Remember when Julius Hodge, uh, you know, beat UConn in 05 and uh, UConn was the one seed and, and he was yelling at the crowd, I told y'all, I told y'all we were going to upset these guys uh, on the way to the Sweet 16. So DJ Burns seems like someone that would be yelling to the crowd, uh, I told y'all we we're going to upset Houston. And, uh, you know, that that's the one thing that I could see where Houston just gets a bad draw like that just for the theater of it all. And the selection kid- committee kind of screws them over. Um, but you know, they're, they're going to be a really talented bunch. That That's all I got on Houston though. I mean, is there anything on Memphis? I mean, Memphis is going to be fun as well. I I'm happy for Penny Hardaway. Can I just say that? that? That's my one big note. I'm happy for Penny. He got all the NCAA bullshit behind him, you know, with James Wiseman and everything. And now it just seems like he's got his feet underneath him. And this Memphis team is going to yeah. be a scary out for anyone. Yeah, it seems like he's he's kind of settled. I think you, that's a great way to put it, like getting his legs under him. We haven't heard as many, you know, you know, Efric Barnes kind of things. We haven't heard <laughs> as much of those, like uh, the feistiness, you know? I feel like his energy is, of course, I don't know what was going on in those situations or what's different, but it does seem like it's just been tumultuous, like the balance of getting elite talent in and like putting it all together. It seems like he has a team that is, you know, has a pretty pretty good record honestly i mean we've talked i talked with verno out in salt lake city about what was going on with that team and stuff like that but really it's it's not really that it's not as bad as you would think like they're, they're competitive they're well put together you know uh d'angelo williams is a great player you know got transferred from evansville he came into rupp arena and kicked our ass a few years ago yeah um but uh i was noticing too what's up with the i used to think penny you you'd mentioned penny's wide out outfit What's up with he has like the tennis logo on there? I didn't know that that was allowed. That's like the Sampras Nike tennis logo. Any comment yeah. on that, Tate? I know you notice these things too. I'm a big brands guy. You know what I mean? I love to see because, as we all know, Nike runs the game. Uh, you know, they're like 70% of the ecosystem. But within the Nike, there's so many little separate deviations on the brand. You know, it's are we wearing Jordan stuff? Are we wearing Air Force Ones? Or, you know, there's all these little variations. So I think Penny is trying to get his own niche. And I wouldn't be shocked if it comes out that Penny Hardaway loves tennis. You know, I remember uh, a few years back in 2021, uh, the pickleball, right? That was the pickleball championship. It was Mark Few versus Scott Drew. They loved playing pickleball with each other. And, you know, there was a lot of conversations that maybe Mark Few gave away some of his secrets to Scott Drew while they were playing pickleball. And that's why he had such a good read on him in that championship game. I feel like Penny's the type of guy that's like, come out, we'll play some tennis with each other. You know, it's a nice little uh, space for him to have his own free exercise range. Maybe get some of those frustrations out, right? I still remember that press conference he had a couple years ago. Um, I can't remember after who they played, but he was basically like, why are you asking me dumb questions? You know, you you know my players are hurt. Look at our <laughs> roster. Like, why, why, are you, why are you being stupid? And I think we've gotten away from that frustrated Penny where now he's more laid back. And and I'm and I'm guessing, I'm speculating that maybe tennis has something to do with it. And that's why he's got the whole, oh. you know, Nike tennis logo going. So that's all I can say. That's I think quite, Penny's figured it out. Yeah. You give me way more on that than I ever would have imagined. That was masterful <laughs> what you just did there. I was the, the pickleball thing, too, I just wanted to say pickleball is a sore subject with the basketball community. So it's interesting that those coaches... You know, there's a war, Tate. I don't know if you know this. There's a war going on between the pickleball community and the basketball community because there's a, there's that? a turf war because 
the pickleball people are trying to establish their like implied spaces to play their game. And one of their spaces is they think they can just come in and willy nilly take our, our hooping space whenever they want. Oh, wow. It's, it's a problem. It's an issue. So, uh, you're, you know, you're saying it like your local, right now, your least. local YMCA right now, you know, you have your basketball court, quintessential basketball court where, you know, basketball was created at a YMCA and you're saying that the pickleballers are coming in, they're putting nets up and they're bringing their stupid yeah. paddles and their wiffle ball. And, and they're saying, this is where we play now. I, I don't like that. that, that that's we upsetting. Gotta, you know, we got a schedule around them. You know, there's times <laughs> we'll walk in there. We want to play an impromptu game on this court that is, you know, it's built into the walls, what it's for. And I walk in there and there's like a big group of people playing pickleball. And I'm just like, what is this shit? I don't know. Mm. I just wanted to make you aware of that tension that's going on. It's something to monitor, I think. Yeah, I'm not a pickleball guy. I, I played pickleball a couple of times. I appreciate that it's a game that is, uh, you know, accommodating for all ages, that is fun for everybody. But <laughs> it's not a... It's not competitive. Like it's too, it's too easy. I guess I would say. Like in general, like everyone is great at pickleball for the most. Part. Like if you have general hand eye coordination, you can be really really good at pickleball. And I don't know for whatever reason that 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 does not make me. I don't enjoy that as much. And I'm not a great tennis player, but I'm down to go out there and, and do my best and get exposed and get embarrassed. And then I'm like, what a great game. You know what I mean? I, I like when I get humbled out here on the court. Pickleball, nobody's getting humbled. They're just having fun. So, uh, wow, you know. wow. You just set yourself <laughs> up for a segment here. Think, I can just picture a video where, where Tate is getting pelted with pickleball. <laughs> There's well, people out there just licking their chops, ready to humble they're you. Like, you can't well, be humbled in, in pickleball. I don't think anybody can. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I can. We'll see what happens. I'll go out there and I'll do my best. And also, it seems like, uh, you know, the Kevin Durant's of the world, like the Blake Griffins, the Kevin. There's a lot of basketball players that are investing in professional pickleball teams. I don't know if you've seen this as well. So I, I don't know. There, there's a lot going on there, which I which I, I, I don't want to get into. But there you go. There's a war happening right now. And I'm choosing Something the side of the it. basketball players. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, one more thing in case you missed it. Um, the race to 69 showdown that we had between Indiana and Michigan, uh, both teams tied at 69. They go to, they go to overtime. And for the friends of the program that are listening and don't know the race to 69, um, it is a dumb bit that I find hilarious because when I was coming up in college basketball, you know, people would always, always say to me, it's a race to 70. It's a race to 70. And we remember the NBA, Ralph Lawler, who was, uh, you know, the Clippers, uh, broadcaster. There was Lawler's law. He said it, yeah, right. Yeah. First to a hundred, right? So in general, it was just a dumb bit uh, back in the day. It was like, well, it's a race to 70, but really it's a race to 69. It's the Lawler's law of college basketball. But this Indiana-Michigan game perfectly plays out where we get 69-69. Michigan was up for the majority of this game. It looked like they had a chance to, to steal one and maybe get some conversation about them jumping up, moving up in the net. Maybe the bubble boys are trying to bring Michigan into the equation. Indiana looked a little bit lethargic early on in this game, but then they found their fire. They found their fight, and they get a nice win at the end of the day. Did you see this game, Kyle, and did you have any big takeaways from this one? Michigan is a team I'm keeping an eye on. I didn't get to watch like this that. one in its entirety. It just it was it was a highlight uh, buffet for me on that one. But that's a team <laughs> that I don't know if we're going to be doing a conference tourney sort of focus. I think we are going to be doing that. And also, I just want to say dumb bits that I think are funny, like what you said. Um, you just I mean, you just describe my life. I mean, that's a lot of just my day to day existence. I think this bit is great. I'm sure it's infuriating other people. My wife usually is the one who suffers the most at that. So don't feel bad, you know, so your bits. That's good. But I think Michigan, you know, Michigan is 
Um, definitely a team with high, you know, here's the word. I feel, I feel like variance has been the word of the year at the ringer, but uh, they're a team that has talent. I'm a very big believer in Jed Howard, um, yeah. which I'm sure we'll get into more at some point. But I think you want to look for guys who can just go go wild, like take over. And it's something I, something I want to do with you too at some point, I think we'll get a chance, is just to introduce characters. The tournament is always about characters. And, you know, Absolutely. it's like you and I know day to day, you know, maybe on an, if, any given day, you might meet somebody like Harold the Show Arsenault. You know, I just wanted yeah. to bring that one up and throw that one your direction. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And honestly, Kyle and I, when we, you know, got back together this iteration, he was like, what's the what's the slogan for this show? And I think I stole it from TBS, but characters welcome. You know, I mean, that is what college basketball is about. I love characters. Let's bring them in. And as far as the ringer, you know, our favorite abil- ability, our favorite ability at the ringer is uh, variability. You know what I mean? And I see that a lot of the time when people talk about, you know, basketball today with the three point shot and all that stuff. So we can lock into that. And uh, yeah, I, I like Kobe Bufkin as well. So, I, you know, that was my one of my guys that I was pointing to in this Michigan, Indiana game. I'm happy for Indiana. I think Indiana is probably the one team, legit team in the Big Ten that if I close my eyes and you tell me that one team in the Big Ten made it to the Elite Eight Final Four, I think I could talk myself more into Indiana being that team than maybe any other team in the Big Ten. Um, so that that is what is fascinating about this team. And I did like in this game in general, they look completely out of it, and then they kind of snap back to uh, and seem, seemingly figured things out. So Indiana, they, they have my attention. So I'm excited to see what they can do in March. And I do like Mike Woodson. I know a lot of people did not like Mike Woodson that hire. They thought it was a, a safe hire or, you know, some people thought it was a dumb hire, but it's been a great hire so far. And it seems like the fans love him at, at IU. So that is uh, that is the team in the Big Ten that has my attention. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. One more thing, because uh, you know we're, we're doing uh, the classic bits. We got the good man. We got the bag man. We're doing Kyle man right now. I wanted to run by you. I'm going to start with the good man here. Um, and the good man of the week is Hubert Davis. Um, and we can talk about uh, and get into the specifics of that. Obviously, on Saturday, I did like a nice little reaction show. Tried to get my thoughts down. Honestly, I have no idea what I said, Kyle. I, I have no idea. But but in general, uh, you know, Hubert Davis seems you just to in be a the, haze of trauma. Is that I, what it was? Like I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what I was thinking. I was trying not to be mean. You know what I mean? Because Hubert is such a, a lovable 
uh, guy. But I wanted to ask you as a fellow Blue Blood uh, for the good man of the week, Hubert Davis, what do you see from the outside looking in with the Carolina situation and the Hubert Davis situation? And the reason he is the good man of the week is because he was asked about the tourney potential of North Carolina, and he said he's not concerned about it. He's not worried. He loves his guys, and he thinks that they're going to be playing in the postseason. Yeah, that, that's the look you should have. That was his explanation. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I, I'm familiar. I've heard a lot of, uh, of the, the bad guy, you know, I've, I've heard the bit and I was maybe thinking, do I even understand the, the bit? Cause I was like, good guy. So you're just saying he's a good natured fellow. Is that, the, is that the I'm story saying here? Like that at the, at the end of the day, when, you know, things maybe go sideways and, 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 you know, for any coach that that's what the good man is. It's like when they leave the situation that they are currently in, all of the fans and the, the people that covered them say, wow. It didn't quite work out. The results weren't there, but boy, was gotcha. he a good guy. Boy, was he the best. And and that, that's kind of what Hubert Davis is in right now, where everyone's just trying to remember last year, that beautiful, magical run to the national championship game. Um, and then he's just an eternal optimist, right? No, no matter what they throw his way, Hubert Davis has been able to spin it in a positive, and that is very good man behavior, and that's why he's the good man of the week. Yeah. And I guess we're, what we're tracing the line of here is like the perils of the in-family hire, you know, and you guys are sort of you and Duke both are staying, sticking with it. You know, yeah. Duke says yet to play out to the point. Well, just because they haven't had any coaching change in a long time, uh, the regime fell. We're just waiting to see if the new regime will be as hateable. I'm very excited to explore that with you on a consistent basis. I'm sure you'll have many thoughts, but I, I mean, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, UNC from last year to this year, it just seems like, and you can tell me, is it, I, I had a conversation with a, with a Carolina, a pretty avid Carolina supporter who told me he thought, this is pretty extreme, but he said he thought that that, you know, run to the championship game last year was one of those where it was like a, a, a deceptive thing, um, where he said he thought it was going to set the program back 10 years. 10 years is ridiculous with the transfer <laughs> portal. You could change coaches tomorrow and get a new team and you're back. But I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that like, I know I heard you say that you wouldn't trade it and I agreed with you. I was just like, oh my God, the experience that you guys had last yeah. year. I, I was just, couldn't couldn't imagine that run. Really kind of reminded me of the 2014 run that we had where we had like a terrible year basically and then had a As run an that seed. was incredible. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I uh, what was what was Carolina's seed last year? They were better. They, were, they weren't an eight seed, were they? They were an eight seed. It was the same thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, because if you go back and you dive in just from the from the outset, I mean, the obvious thing is that they've had a huge dip in like their spot up efficiency. That's the thing that I've noticed the most when I was going back and look. I mean, they're horrible in, in transition defensively. And it seems like, you know, you have those shot makers, you know, the R.J. Davis and you have the Caleb Loves who they're, they're shot takers. I think. Again, they're shot takers. Shot takers. <laughs> I can see where you would take umbrage with that. But I mean, it's like you if you look at the guys who were taking the bulk of the shots last year, it was Love, Mannix, the huge one, you know, RJ Davis. And those guys both all all of them shot over 40% from three. And Leaky Black, even on spot ups, was was taking less of them, but at 36.2. And this year you look at it and it's a different thing. Uh, you know, you got Love, Leaky Black, and then Nance and RJ. I mean, is it as simple as like Mannix? pressure release on their offense because it's you know ostensibly the same team it, it did manic make that big of a difference i mean he was i mean he was just a, a flamethrower heater is it that simple that that energy and that juice just energize the team and you take it away and it's just like it's bogged down it doesn't work anymore what is it tate 
I just think there is some sort of strange mental block with this group because if you look at their games, right, they've lost 12 games this year. Eight of those games, they've had a lead with seven minutes or left, seven minutes or less left in the second half. So they get in these positions. It just happened with Duke. We get to the 420 mark. North Carolina is seemingly in a position to go win the basketball game, and they completely no-show. And it seems to me it's this weird fantasy about recreating that moment in time. You know, it's like every single game that they get down to these moments, this crunch time period, Caleb is going for the hero kill shot. Every single guy wants to have that Caleb love hero kill shot moment. They're all competing with, with each other for that kill shot moment. And in reality, the guy that probably should be touching the basketball is Armando Baycott. And he's not yeah. going to be taking a step back three for the kill shot, but he also has to get in position to get the basketball the one time that it worked this year in crunch time was the Pete Nance turn away or, you know, a little, little turnaround jumper in Madison Square Garden. I was at that game. Jeff Lebo drew, drew that play up. It was not a, a play that is uh, easy to execute by any means. It was an incredible shot by Pete Nance. But that was the one time this year that they've been able to execute down the stretch. I mean, they're up on Iowa State. They don't do it. They're up on Alabama. They go to four overtimes. They can't get it done. I mean, they played Pitt twice, and they could have easily won both of those games. But they just weren't tough enough down the stretch, and they seemingly just don't have the that killer mentality to get it done at the end of games. I'm not really sure what it is, but I do know this. They're, they're the worst scoring offense in the ACC. They're the worst three-point shooting team in the ACC, 15th, and they continue to shoot shots at a clip that is inconceivable, right? I mean, Leaky Black took 16 shots in this game against Duke, and you and I know this. I mean, there's the old trope, Al McGuire, you're open for a reason. You know, I mean, that that is that is really the definition of this Carolina season. And when you have a guy like Pete Nance who shoots over 40 percent from three and comes in from Northwestern and you're expecting him to at least deliver at some sort of clip that is comparable and it's not even close. But it's also you're putting him in a terrible position where he's really a small ball five more so than a four. So he's playing out of position at some level. He and Baycott don't really work with each other. It just it has been a poor fit all around, but there's also been the frustration of you could have won, like I said, eight of 12 games and and then two of those next four, like Baycott's out of those games. Pete Nance missed the other two games, right? There's all, you can go through it and, and explain it away as many teams can do in college basketball. But I think that's what has broken a lot of Carolina people's brains this year because it's seemingly right there for the taking. And this group that we saw just absolutely take it, right? From UCLA, UCLA, yeah. Could have won that game in the Sweet 16 easily, but North Carolina goes and wins the game down in crunch time. The Duke game is a, another perfect example of that. They just go and take that game. And then since the Kansas game, they have just been not, they just haven't been able to execute. And like I said, I think they're chasing that ghost of that moment. And it was kind of this weird poetry to the fact that Caleb Love just jacks up this ridiculous three at the end of the Carolina Duke game on Saturday, you know? And last year, Every Carolina fan's like, yes, 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 you did it, da-da-da. Then, yeah. you know, on Saturday night, everyone's going, no, 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 please don't take it. And Vince Carter's falling into his chair, you know? It's a it's a <laughs> weird 180 all the way around. So it's hard to explain away, but at the end of the day, it uh, you know, it, I think there was some sort of karmic, uh, you know, backlash from what happened last year. Yeah, the Vince Carter cutaways were killing me, talking about uh, <laughs> cutaways to NBA players. Those, those are fun. I, I guess he was sitting with... Uh, a daughter or a niece or something, but, or a friend, who knows it was, it was yeah. a young person, but it was, it was cracking me up. Uh, uh, and 
a couple of things, one statistical and one a little more like nebulous, a little more abstract is that just that like they're producing, clearly something is bogging down about their offense because they're producing fewer uncontested looks than before. That's a sign of a good offense. You look at the best teams in the NBA, I think like eight of the top 10 that like are actually contenders are like really, really strong spot up efficiency teams, meaning like just open baskets created by the threat of like downhill pressure, whether you got a great driver like a Luca, John Moran, a Shea, on and on and on. And then also that like it seems like they're sending doubles Baycott's way more this year. And he's just not it it hasn't been they haven't been as efficient on like capitalizing on those, it seems like. And, the, and another thing too that is interesting to me, I'm gonna make like a creativity uh sort of uh, analogy parallel here is that like you were talking about like being in your head about recreating something that happened in the past. I found that like in making videos, which has, you know, been my primary creative outlet, like in, in love, basketball. Or, th that's where I fell in love with you, Kyle. I mean, I started watching your video because Bill told me, he's like, you got to check these videos out. And I was like, oh man, I love this. I love this. I'm getting the insight well, I need. I am flattered by that. Thank you, man. I didn't know that. Uh, and then, but then also, and, you know, in writing too, it's true. Uh, and, and music in, in the past for me, but like whenever you're thinking about making something new, you know, I know Joe Missoula has caught a lot of crap on on the ringer recently, but he had a quote <laughs> that I really loved. And I've said, I think on other pods is that like, you got to build a new sandcastle every day. Like you can't look at the ones you did in the past. And I think sometimes whenever something goes right, you have the tendency to look back. I think it's an error to look back. I think you got to be forward facing if you're a basketball team or you're a creator or whatever, because the moment you look back, you start thinking like that was me in the past and that works. And you get in this mindset of like, I have to impersonate this person yes. who did this in the past and that eats up CPU in your mind. And it's like, you got to just go in and play basketball because basketball is a react, a reaction rhythm game, you know, and it, it it's, you can't, you can't try to do that. I, I just think once you end up in that situation, you're already in a tough spot. Uh, the basketball stuff aside, you know, whether or not if they were in that right mindset and they were playing basketball, there might still be these issues, but I'm curious if you think, do they have a run in them, Tate? Do you think there's any kind of magic in them? They still have these shot creators. What if they just go wild again? You know, I, uh, I, I've seen, I've been on the other end of it, like biting us. Like Aaron Harrison made those big shots and then they got into the 2015 Wisconsin game and they were like, we're going to do what we did in the past. And they screwed us over. Like they, they went rogue and it hurt us. I don't know. Do you think that they have a, they have a chance to do anything? I think that they had, they obviously have a chance because of the talent and the way that the ACC has you know unfolded this year. And if you look at the bracket with the way that it kind of has broken for Carolina, Hubert's three and one against Virginia. So if they beat Boston College, presumably the next matchup they have will be against Virginia. So Hubert, for whatever reason, for for a team that Roy Williams struggled so much with, Hubert Davis has been able to find a way to beat Virginia. So that that's actually a pretty good draw for them. Um, we'll see what happens with that. And if Carolina can get past Virginia, obviously now you're in the semifinals. Now you have everyone kind of back in the, Oh, I, Oh wait, this Carolina team, they might have something there. Right. And then, you know, you start jogging yourself and, and, and getting yourself worked up a little bit to think that it could happen. I've had no evidence to suggest that this team is going to go ahead and hit some different gear. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, I, I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Um, but I really just don't see that happening for whatever reason. I think there's more of a chance that this team flames out, doesn't make the tournament this year. They do not accept the NIT invitation that they get. They say thanks, but no thanks. And RJ Davis and Armando Baycott talk to each other and decide they're going to come back. And then next year, 
they, they try to run it back again and and maybe they they've been humbled a little bit and and there's a conversation about you know what they could do but Baker went through senior ag, senior day activities on Saturday so maybe that doesn't happen but I have heard uh, more and more that there is a chance that he does return and if he wow. does it makes a lot of sense to me because right there, there's probably more opportunity NIL wise than there is trying to go get a two-way or trying to go to Perth with Brady Manick and and getting a spot there so you know, I, I think if Carolina, um, I honestly, I, at this point, I hope that it, they don't have some ridiculous magical run uh, in the ACC tournament that gets everyone to forget about the season because this season has been a disappointment. And I think it's better to address the problem than act like the problem does not exist. Um, and I do feel bad because I think guys like Caleb Love have kind of gotten a bad rap. But I do think if you watch them play, like you said, they're all looking at the old sandcastle. And, and some of the the shot that Caleb took against Duke over Mark Williams was a good shot because Williams yeah. dropped and then he goes, oh, mistake, boom, I take the shot. But they're trying to, they predetermine what they want to do before they do it as opposed to playing the game and reacting and being proactive and anticipating. Um, and that, that to me has yeah. been the problem with this team and that, that's what's been really frustrating. But if they can, uh, you know, like I said, if they, they, get, a, they get a good draw, they they could easily lose to Boston College in the first round, and then we're all you know. Then the panic button is getting slapped, and you know people are saying we got to change the staff, we got to do this, we got to do that. I've never seen so many people tweeting about Carolina needs to hire Jerry Stackhouse or, or hire Jay Wright and all this sort of stuff. So um, you know people will obviously hit the panic button if they do lose in the first round. But I'm not expecting uh, the magic to return. But I'm not going to ever forget the magic of last year. You know that's what people want. That's what the Duke fans want. They want you to forget that it happened. I will never forget. Um, I will never forget. Uh, that team was electric, man. I was, right. I was just gonna, I was just gonna like that. They were so in the moment, and I think that's why they were such a live wire to watch. I don't know if I ever told you this, but like when they beat Duke at Cameron, I was like waiting on carryout at this little Mex for. I was waiting for some carryout at this little Mexican restaurant, and you could just feel a crowd. <laughs> I could feel a crowd gathering behind me as that yeah. that game winded down, and uh, I just, of course, I live in college basketball country too, so that can happen but yeah man that was just that was a thrilling team to watch they were just electric because there was the lack of the, the burden of expectation is a whole different thing man and, absolutely you, know, you guys came back and and that's just it's a different experience this group seemingly likes when their backs against the wall that's why you know if you did want to just you know buy the dip right if you were a gambling man if you want to look at the odds of carolina for the acc tournament and you want to say hey I'll, I'll take a i'll take a flyer on these guys I don't blame you because that's seemingly what this team likes. They like when everyone doubts them, that the season's over, they're dead to rights. That's when they they all come together. But uh, Brady Manick is not walking through that door. So uh, that that is one thing I know. Uh, let's get to the bag man of the week because this is something. You mentioned the NIL portal, and I think this team is fascinating. And they're kind of under the radar a little bit just because, you know, for whatever reason, people don't like to talk about Coach L. And it's maybe because his nickname is Coach L. But Jim Laranega is the bag man of the week. And Miami at large, they they are co-champs of the ACC regular season. They obviously this year get Nigel Pack to come in. It was a big NIL purchase, right? We, we got the number 850,000. Then Isaiah Wong, who is probably presumably going to be the ACC player of the year. Um, he says, 
well, if he's getting that, I need that also. So <laughs> Miami, Miami ends up dropping a bag of, you know, seemingly around like 1.5 million to get their backcourt shored up, but it works out. And, uh, and now Miami is co-champs of the, the ACC. And now they're probably the best bet. If you want to look at a team that can make a final four run coming out of the ACC, what are your thoughts on Miami? What are your thoughts on the fact that, you know, you can seemingly just put together a team in the portal and they can make a legit run. I mean, Pittsburgh did it as well in the ACC. So so what do you see from Miami and what do you expect from them in the tournament? Well, I'm curious, too, if you think that, like, next time around, if, like, you know, we obviously had this boom of um, NIL money and people, it's sort of a gold rush. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's a, it, it, we're seeing sort of the more exaggerated boundaries of it. Like, people are going way, you know, it's sort of like the the salary cap spike in the NBA you know, oh, Tyler Johnson got got a huge deal. Like, you know, maybe yeah. that won't happen next time around. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if like, do you think that Miami is just the Wild West and they're just going to continue to do this? Because they kind of, they've always been the kind of like we're 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 kind of we're going to get a seat at the table. The the wild cards, they're they're willing to play in the in the fringes. I don't. Do you, do you think that next time around, are they going to pay that much for a backcourt like this? I think they will if it works. You know, I think if Miami ends up in Houston and goes to the Final Four, if you're Jim Laranega, one. Let, let's not get as misconstrued. Jim Laranega is not a guy that he has to buy talent to win games. I mean, Jim Laranega is one of the best coaches in college basketball. So that's the the other part of this Miami team. It's like you you bring this talent in and then you put them underneath the coach who's going to get the the max out of these guys. That's a scary proposition for anybody in the ACC. And that they could be the class of the ACC, right? So that is, if it works and they make a run to the Final Four, I wouldn't be shocked as soon as the portal starts again, Miami's the top bidder. For, for some of these talents to come in and, and continue to run this thing back because nobody really knows what the the proper approach is to NIL. But if it leads to results, we know Miami will continue to, to go back to the well. And, and I don't blame them for doing so. And I, and I have no ill will towards them for doing so. In fact, I have a little bit of, you know, respect for the moxie, right? The fact that they say, we don't care what you think about us. So we're going to run it back and we're going to do what we do. And, uh, you know, Miami can be Adidas. Miami could be Nike. Miami could be Jordan. Miami could be any brand. And Miami's going to be Miami. And I think that is that is probably one of my favorite things about Miami. That's that you mentality where they just say, we are who we are. We don't care what you think about us. And in case you forgot, we're a private school in Coral Gables. And guess what private schools can do? They can pay money because they got a lot of money. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and if I'm a Miami fan, like Kevin Clark, for example, the Ringers Kevin Clark, I would love to get his thoughts on this team. But they all love Laranega because he's such a great coach. And as long as you have him as the front man, the, the band is who the band is. But Jim Laranega, Coach L, is going to be the face of it. And at the end of the day, when you have him in March, after what we saw with George Mason back in 2006, that, that's someone you want that can make the adjustments on the fly and get you to where you want to go. And if he has primo talent, we're talking top 20 talent, it's hard to beat. It really is. And uh, that's why Miami, I worry about their defense. I really do. I think they're like 121st in scoring defense or something insane like that. But the offense that they have, the punch that they have, and Jordan Miller to me is a guy, I, I haven't seen him on draft boards really, but he has my attention. I really think Jordan Miller is a really good player. I know Wong and Pack are going to get all the credit. Pack's a great guy to have late in the game. He's a great free throw shooter. He can ice a game for you. But I think Jordan Miller could be an X factor for this team, and they can make a deep run. And if I look up and see Miami and Houston, um, it, it would not surprise me at all. And I think Jim Laranega is almost a little bit underrated with his coaching right now in college basketball. 
Yeah, he's a name that I feel like the, the if you're just broadly following college basketball, you probably don't know a whole lot about him. But you yeah. great pull with the George Mason thing. I mean, that was one of the all timer tourney runs. And you talk about adjusting on the fly. Shout out to Tony Skin. But yeah, if you're talking about <laughs> yeah. Jordan Miller, um, Miller, I mean, off ball, you, you described how much they have invested in this backcourt that's working really well. And Miller is playing off ball a lot, but doing it really efficiently. Uh, and he definitely deserves some credit for that. They're not a team that I want to see in the tournament. Uh, d- definitely not. You know, I, I, you wonder defense in like the half court game. It matters in every round, but you start getting when the talent, you know, the talent parity starts to sort of level out. And you get against these other teams that have a whole lot of talent that can really execute in the backcourt. Uh, that's going to make a big difference, and I think they're the on the on the NIL thing. This speaks to I think some of the sort of snobby moralism and like <laughs> you know nose thumbing that people did, where they were just like you know once this money enters into it, a lot of this stuff is just out in the daylight now. You know, newsflash, folks. Happy from Blue Chips wasn't the villain. He was the hero of that movie. Um, I always wanted to throw that take at you. Uh, but, I, mean, I like that. That's a good take. If you. I, well, I rewatched that movie recently because I'm obsessed with it. Number one, but number two, I, yeah, I was just wanted to watch it, and I was like, yeah, he's like, he's not the villain of the movie. Maybe he was an asshole, but he was he's, he's trying like to take care, care of these kids. kids. Yeah, yeah, man, what's wrong? You, you get the b- best money, you know that line: the best money that talent can buy, or you know, whatever. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as wrong as we thought back. Because when I was a kid, I was like, oh, bad guy, bad guy. Of course, um, you get the right leadership in place. That's what this speaks to you can function like this and college basketball is changing. And really it's that's, that's who's to blame. If things aren't, if the ship clearly, they love playing for Laranaga. They're fun to watch. Definitely a team that I wouldn't want to see in my bracket. If I'm contending, you know, cause they can knock you off. I mean, they could also kick your ass. They couldn't just absolutely knock you off. like they have, they have some firepower. And people forget they beat, I mean, a team with the number three pick in Jabari Smith. And my opinion the, one of the best rookies in basketball right now, and Walker Kessler, right? I mean, they they beat that team last year, and and that is something that I think broke a lot of people's brains at the time because everyone was very high on Auburn. Everyone thought Auburn was going to be a Final Four team, myself included. I thought they could. I worried about their backcourt with Katie Johnson and Wendell Green, and uh, they're still there, as we both know. Um, but just to see Miami do that last year, that confirmed to me how good of a coach Laranega is in the tournament setting, right? And this team is better than that team, in my opinion. I really do think that. Um, so if I Miami so makes too. a run, yeah, yeah it, it makes a lot of sense to me. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. My village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. One last thing before we get out of here. I just had to run this by you because, again, Kyle, you're a Kentucky guy. And you love Cam a lot. You, you love Lexington, Kentucky. 
So we got to talk about a former coach there that is uh, on the tip of my tongue always when it comes to college basketball. He's a man that we all know and love, and his name is Rick Pitino. Um, and in case you're oh, not yes. keeping up, yeah, in case you're not keeping up uh, in the world of college basketball, Rick Pitino's Iona team is on an 11-game win streak. Uh, they are the number one seed in the NAAC tournament that is in Atlantic City, a place that Rick Pitino is going to thrive in. Um, and this is probably his last team uh, with Iona before he goes and gets another job. Uh, hopefully they can win the tournament last year. It did not work out for them. But if Rick Pitino can handle business as the one seed, get his gales to the NCAA tournament and get that stage as a 16 seed. I mean, are, are we going to buy the, di- are we going to, are we going to lean into the idea that Rick Pitino could be the second coach after Ryan Odom to have the one sixteen upset? Because I feel it on the tip of my tongue and I feel like it's possible because this Iono team is probably the best team he's had. And I shouldn't even say probably. It's definitely the best team that he's had. They're a really talented group and they have the belief to think, hey, if we're playing Purdue and Purdue's the one seed, we can probably beat them, you know? And, and Rick Pitino is a good enough coach to make it happen. Am I crazy for thinking that? And how much are you watching Rick Pitino's Gales? I don't think it's crazy, crazy, because, I mean, we've seen over the past few years, we've seen, you know, obviously we've seen it more and more. I guess statistically, yeah, it still qualifies as crazy that they can knock off <laughs> yeah. one seed. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, like if they get up against a Zach Eady, I mean, that's just like that's a that's a force that you're just not accustomed to seeing. And we've seen what Zach Eady can do to, you know, uh, high major college defenses like he's just. He has some simple things about his game that are just really, really difficult to refute. Like, I can't imagine what his, like, post-up efficiency would be. I mean, you'd start to just throw junk defenses at him and hope that you get hot. But Iona has some talent, man. I mean, like, yeah. uh, Nelly Jr. Joseph and Dennis Jenkins. Um, I, I had to look up the, the the stat line for him there. But the they have a couple guys that I think are interesting, like, shot creators. And I think that's what you need in, in March, man. I really Absolutely. think if you have a couple guys that are shot creators that get rolling... Um, but I'm just pro any Rick Pitino talk in general. I love that he openly is just kind of putting it out there that uh, I, I've i gone the other way. The relationship, and this is like a whole big thing you could talk about with the state of Kentucky because it's it's a lifelong history. All I remember is Rick Pitino. I mean, like I, he right. when I was coming online as a basketball fan, he was the most important figure in the state. Uh, and, and I still think like historically he might arguably be that person uh, just because of imp- his impact on both programs. He made a lot of people mad. He left Kentucky. Everybody <laughs> got really mad at him. Louisville fans were just crowing and laughing and being like, ha ha, you know, they, that was like their ultimate, like they got us like that, that. They knew how much that annoyed us and they were <laughs> laughing about it. And the rivalry was incredible. And then he turns around and makes every Louisville fan mad. So, you know, he's, he's, I I've gone the other way where I just love it. I, I embrace the ridiculousness of it. It seems like you do too. It doesn't seem like Bills is open to laugh about it. He's still pretty mad at Rick Pitino, but he's still I've mad about to... Chauncey Billups. Like he he cannot get over Chauncey Billups. You know what I mean? That that trade <laughs> and that decision is something that will haunt Bill forever. And I just have to remind him that Rick Pitino doesn't care about the 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 idea of potential. Rick Pitino wants results right in front of him at that moment. He's not thinking about two three years down the road. You know, he's not two years away from anything. He wants to win now. He and Larry Brown, to me, they kind of have the exact same makeup where no matter how no matter how it goes, you know it's going to go a certain way where it's going to be a lot of good, but you know it's going to end badly. It's, that's, just how, that's just how it ends up working out, unfortunately, with those guys. But the, the highs are so high and the basketball highs are so high that it's worth it. 
Um, and you can't deny the fact that, as he told all of us, he's never cheated the game. You know, he, he may have cheated a lot of other things, but he has never cheated the game. Um, and that is that is what matters to me. And that's what matters with Rick Pitino. And uh, b- b- before we get out of here, is, is there a team that you think Rick Pitino has his eye on? Like I've seen Notre Dame. I've seen Georgetown. Some people like myself have even pointed out why not Louisville go back after him. Like, what is a fit for you in your mind that you say, oh, I can see Rick going there and maybe having a, a five year, one last two raw kind of run where he can go and try to compete for final fours and titles? I always predict my like long term prediction with him was that he was going to end up at like a Boston, co- he, that he was basically yeah. going to have like a, a Benjamin Button type thing where he like ends up back where he started. <laughs> like, or he like takes a Boston college or a Providence level team. Of course, Providence is, is a, is a good program, but like, uh, not that Boston isn't, but I don't know why I'm, I'm you know, always on the defensive there on Twitter. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. the Boston fans that are out there are going to come for me anyway. Uh, if you're out there, say hello. Uh, but I, I think Georgetown and Notre Dame, are interesting because they talking about like I'm not saying they have like snooty moralism in the like hyperbolic way that I was talking about NIL, but like those are two institutions that like are buttoned up to the top button. You know, I, I just don't you don't yeah. see them playing around. I'm not saying it's never happened, but you just you don't see them like they're not like Miami. I, I feel like a, it's probably going to be a high major program that's on the fringe that is going to be thinking about like, okay, this guy's, you know, kind of a distressed asset, even though like he ha- is coaching at Iona. It seems like a, I- I've heard a lot of SEC teams that are kind of like, just kind of floating. Like I've heard Ole Miss. I don't know. Yeah. I- it seems like a, like a team like that in a power conference. That's like, we have been disrespected forever. We're trying to get to the table. Why not? Why not take a, a run here with Rick Pitino? Because He's going to come in and be good, man. Uh, say what you want about Rick Pitino. A, I think he's one of the most important basketball pl- coaches of all time. If you go back and look at his impact on the way the game changed in the 90s, his teams have shot more threes in the 90s than Cal's teams do now. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of him on the on a basketball level. Um, I always just watch what he's doing with anticipation and, and glee. And I think you and I should at some point do a pod from Porcini's if you're open to it. If they'd let us, they want. I've been there. But, uh, it, it was it was a great time. I, Kyle was with us. We we did a nice little tour of. Uh, we did all the Rick Pitino pit stops. You know what I mean? We went to the dorm where the strippers came. We did everything. It was great. Oh <laughs> great yeah, time you, on your tour. Yeah, yeah, right. We yeah. did a live show in Louisville. That was that was the best of times to get the full Rick Pitino experience. Uh, th- there's nothing really quite like it. I think that there is. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about this, but I think Georgetown. Obviously, Patrick Ewing is still the head coach at Georgetown, but I think that there, for a lot of people that don't know the recruiting story of Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing put, you know, Boston in his final five. And and obviously he was from Massachusetts, so there was a lot of that, you know, staying home stuff. But he loved Rick Pitino from Five Star. They, they hit it off. Pitino recruited him at the camp. There was a lot of conversation about, you know, you know, Rick was really one of the guys that he trusted. Obviously, he goes and plays for Big John, who ended up being like a father figure for him. But in general, he has such a respect um, for Rick Pitino that I think whoever comes in for Georgetown, if they decide to make a move, there has to be a passing of the torch, so to speak. And there has to be a good faith uh, situation. And if Patrick Ewing has someone like Rick Pitino that he is very close with, that he has a lot of basketball respect for, that he has, you know, it's someone that he looks up to in in a seniority kind of way. I think that's the best way to play the Georgetown situation. And Rick Pitino knows how to recruit the DMV. I think he really tinkered with the idea of going to Maryland. 
But then he, with all the Under Armour and and all that sort of stuff, I think he was just like, that's that's too much of a. He's like, I, that reminds him of Adidas. He's like, I don't want to go back and to, to, to have to play at that high level stakes with the, the recruiting brands and things like that. So I do think that if he were was was able to go to Georgetown, have Patrick Ewing sign off on it, be still involved with the program in some like capacity, him and Matumbo, and he also gets to use Jordan Brand. And he also gets to recruit the DMV. He also doesn't have to go to the South. I don't think Rick Pitino wants to go to the South. You know, I mean, I think Louisville is as far South as he would go. Um, he doesn't want to go to Ole Miss. He doesn't want, you know, he, I don't think he wants to do that. So in my mind, just with the Ewing situation, I think that Rick Pitino to Georgetown makes a whole lot of sense. But again, Patrick Ewing is still the head coach. I want to be respectful of that situation. I feel like a lot of people have not been respectful to that situation. And if that does happen where Rick Pitino goes back there, Patrick Ewing, please come to the Charlotte Hornets. Please get down there and, and and teach our big men how to play. Teach Mark Williams how to play basketball. I think he has a lot of potential. So that would be my pitch uh, to the Georgetown powers that be. Bring in Rick Pitino. Make Patrick Ewing happy. And let's make Georgetown good again. I don't, I'm not saying Georgetown has to be great, but let's just make them good because it's better when Georgetown is good and that history needs to be respected. So that is, uh, that's my final Pitino pitch right there. I think, I think it works out. And if they beat a one seed, shoot, every team in the country might be calling this guy. To, to give him a chance. And uh, I had one of my buddies on the recruiting trail who's an assistant coach, and he reached out to me and he goes, yeah, we had Patino and he's watching these five-star kids and we, and we asked him who he's recruiting for and he said, I don't know yet. <laughs> so he's already <laughs> he's already out there. He's already out there putting the legwork in. So, uh, you know, Talk watch out BDE, for Rick Patino. man. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know yet. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go shopping for Ferraris. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. have the job yet, but I know it's coming. You know, it's coming. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You got to love, you got to love slick Rick for that, for that. Uh, yeah. And shout out to best. the five star podcast doc that you did too. You dropped that oh, yeah. on there. That was, that's a classic. That's a good one. I love the, I love the lore. Yeah. It's, stuff. I learned a lot uh, about all these coaches and how kind of tight knit it all is. And uh, I also learned the origin story of Rick Pitino becoming a head coach, which I think uh, maybe some people don't know this, but Rick Pitino um, was playing basketball uh, in Hawaii. He was, he was thinking about going overseas to play professionally. And uh, anyways, Howard Garfinkel, who ran the five-star camp, said, you know, the Hawaii head coach is over there. Go talk to him. Ask him about a job. And, uh, and Rick Pitino was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a coach. I want to keep playing. Like, that's a dumb idea. Um, but he also loved the TV show Hawaii Five-0. So he decided that because <laughs> of his love of Hawaii Five-0, he would go be an assistant coach at Hawaii. Um, Pete Gillen was also an assistant coach there. So he and Pete Gillen were on the Hawaii staff together. Um, one of the greatest stories in basketball history. I would love to get a doc about that Hawaii team when they first came together. But the reason Rick Pitino is a coach is because he loved Hawaii 5-0. And to me, that is the perfect uh, summation of why Rick Pitino is so fascinating to me, that he he got into this profession because he loved Hawaii 5-0. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, a, a career that was driven by Lays, you know? There you go. Yeah. It was started by Lays. You see what I did there? Not a great yeah. joke. But yeah. no, I think the, <laughs> the, the Hawaii 5 Plenty of Lays awesome. ahead. Yeah, there you go. Yes, there exactly. you go. Well, uh, look, this has been a great time, Kyle. I could honestly talk basketball with you, uh, you know, for as long as uh, as needed to be on a podcast or even longer, honestly. But uh, this has been great. This has been a nice trial run. I enjoyed our segment. I love doing the bag man, the good man, the Kyle man. We still got to wait and figure out who Kyle's man will be this year, our producer, Kyle, um, because he's he's got a lot of guys. He, he's, he cares a lot about the names, right? He's a big Remy Martin guy. 
Uh, shout out to national champion Remy Martin, the X Factor in the title game last year. Kyle, that was Kyle's guy back in the day. So we're gonna we're gonna figure out who his man is this year, but that'll all be in good time and in due time. Uh, Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? I really appreciate it, man. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciated Kyle's posturing uh, as a, <laughs> as a potential Kentucky uh, supporter during the tournament. Yeah. Kyle, I appreciated that. I heard it. Big Blue Nation heard that. We we hum. <laughs> I have a phrase whenever something goes well or someone get you know we get an endorsement from someone out there. I always say we humbly accept. You know, whenever there's a commitment, and uh, Kyle, we humbly accept your support. <laughs> And uh, here's to a happy, you know, uh, partnership throughout this tournament. Hopefully you remain a supporter uh, to stay on my good side. But I appreciated the posturing there. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle's a smart man. He knows it's the biggest fan base in college basketball. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of call. like it's sort of like when you first start playing Super Smash Brothers. It's like you can't you don't pick Ness. You don't pick the hard guys. You pick like a Captain Falcon. You pick a Link. So I went to Frolic Room on Saturday. It was a big, big college basketball day. And. Um, I was ready to watch your, you know, you were at 3.30, I think, Carolina Duke. But then um, I immediately got distracted, forgot I was there to watch college basketball. But I look up because our buddy Troy is the bartender there and he goes, oh, and I look up and I just saw a great little, I don't know, 45 second stretch. It was like, it's like, I think it was a Kentucky three and then a fucking awesome block from some dude on Kentucky. They cut to Cal who's wearing like an all black, like sort of jumpsuit. And I was like, fuck. I think I think so. My, my Kyle's guy, this Kyle's man this week is is uh, Coach Cal. I mean that that that's subject to change, but I just I mean I was locked in for that moment. I had like a two and a half beer buzz, and I was like, wow, that's great. I like it. Um, yeah. So you know, I just I just I, I it's all about feeling for me. So I was feeling the the Kentucky uh, Kentucky team on Saturday. So. I think it's official. Kyle's man is Antonio Reeves. Then I feel like Antonio Reeves with that thirty seven point performance. You know, and he's he's what was he SEC Sixth Man of the Year right or Co Sixth Man of the Year? So. I think that could be a guy for you, Kyle. Antonio I, Reeves. I think on Saturday it was Lather, whoever yeah. did that block. Whoever had that awesome block in the and I think it was, was the fourth quarter. I mean that that's probably my was, guy of the week. Or Jacob Toppin. I think it was Damian, Damian Collins, I think is who it, oh, was. Who it was. Damian there Collins is somebody he's like a Chris Boucher clone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen how much you've seen it, but he's just all arms. He's just like I yeah. I have my like all weirdo team. This 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 dude has like comic book arms. Kyle, what kind of buzz we talking? Beer buzz we talking? We talking like craft beer, IPA, or were you, you know, like, I, was no, it like I've, just... I've reformed. I've reformed and it was for a couple reasons. One, you know, I used to it's not a huge selection of beers at the Frolic Room, and you know <laughs> the, the the bottles that that you know. There's two beers on draft, which is uh, Blue Moon and Bud Bud Heavy, and then there's a bunch of bottles, a lot of the classic ones. And uh, I was I was just a Lagunitas IPA guy, but I mean that was just nice. adding up way too fast. I'm like, you know, it's like four o'clock, and it's like you know, you know, I got a look in my eye. It's because I've had you know I've had like seven, or sometimes you get carried away. One time it was <laughs> like. The bartender was, I was like, how many do you think I had? And he was like, oh, it says here you had 15. I was like, 15 IPAs? That can't be good. <laughs> yeah, that and, can't and be so, good. And so, you know, Hold so on, then on, my on. bill. I love you. <laughs> I love that you said sometimes you have seven and sometimes you get carried away. Seven IPAs isn't classified for you as getting carried away. No, that's I, regular day. I think I had like, I think I had like five pints of like Lagunitas and a pit Tyler Parker and I were crushing them at top top golf at summer league. And the next day I woke up and I was like the crib keeper. Like my breath could have like killed a person. I think I'm just impressed that seven isn't, isn't a big night for you. You said you had 15. Did you, I, I hope you got an Uber home. It's like a local <laughs> legend. Yeah. I walk, I, I like, I go, to, I only go places I could stumble back if I really need to. I, I like to, I like to walk home and, you know, clear my head and all that stuff. Uh, but, 
but no, it was, I mean, that was like an excessive one, but it was just one where everyone was like, look, dude, look, dude, look at this bill. <laughs> like, so, yeah. uh, so I, 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 they convinced me to switch to Bud Heavy's. It's like $3 during happy hour. It's like $4, not happy hour. So, you know, the, the difference between the $7 IPA is all the time. It's just, I, I've really reformed it. But yeah, before I was like, I just don't like the taste of any beer that you guys have. You don't have Red Stripe. You don't have 805. Uh, I guess I'll just stick with, uh, stick with the uh, the bottled uh, Lagunitas. But I mean, my my wallet and my fiance is really happy that I made the switch to Bud. Yeah, I will say I went there with you uh, a couple weeks ago or maybe even, I don't know, longer than that probably. But uh, yeah, you I went there about three o'clock and uh, you were like, yeah, we're drinking Bud Heavies. And I, I did not realize that the Bud Heavies were going to hit so hard. You know what I mean? So it, it was about nine o'clock and I was absolutely housed. So I was like, <laughs> I got to get out of here. Get me out of Frolic Room. That is, uh, that is a tried and true tradition. Yeah, yeah. And look where we are now. We're all in a podcast together. So there you go. I uh, appreciate you, Kyle, man. Uh, this is going to be something that we're doing all season long, uh, we're going to have you out in Los Angeles, it sounds like, uh, for the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's all to come. Uh, we got Selection Sunday uh, coming up. We're going to do a little uh, reaction to that when that comes out on Sunday. So all good things ahead. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about March Madness, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to Kyle. Man, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun, Kyle. I, I, uh, I was fired up about that. I was I was always concerned uh, about the idea of, you know, moving on and talking basketball because you never know what these things are like. But Kyle, man, the, the blue bloods just come out on us. And we have a lot of fun. And uh, that was great. I could have done that for about two hours. So that, that was a good oh, start. Oh, I can tell. This. We already probably went longer than we should have. And that that was, but you know what? That was the classic problem with One Shiny Podcast. And and that's what people used to get mad at us for, uh, you know, behind the scenes. So, you know, that's what we'll just we'll just do it again. We'll pick it up like we never left. <laughs> it was great. I'm glad that he he uh, he resigned to the double name Kyle Mann. I was also feeling like I don't really think Kevin Clark earned KC. He gets that sometimes. Yeah. My buddies back home called me KC. I would have accepted that, too. But so if it gets a little too confusing, I'll always have that in my back pocket. But I'm glad that he he was good with the Kyle Mann, the Tate Frazier. Yeah. It's, I like uh, it's I like the full name. I like the full name, Kyle, man. And also, I love calling you producer, Kyle, because, you know, the, the people want to call you nephew, Kyle, and, and that's not going to happen. That's not going to fly on this show. We're not letting that yeah, happen on we're, OSB. We're, we're, yeah, we're brand. It's a hard ship to turn. You know, it takes a while to turn a yeah. big ship like that, but uh, we're working on it. I, I got it. I got <laughs> you. Uh, and before we get out of here, just a quick uh, couple shout outs, because some big things are happening in college basketball. Again, this is champ week. Uh, if you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of conference championship games, a lot of big moments uh, that are happening so far. And that's one of the beauties of March because we got a lot of teams that they may win their regular season, but then we get in the conference tournament. These are one bid automatic qualifier leagues. So right now we already have four teams who won their regular season titles that have been knocked out of their respective conference tournaments. We also have some history being made. One team in particular, Kennesaw State, who is the A-Sun champs. First time making the tournament. Uh, they won one game, Kyle back in the 2019-20 season, uh, and now they are in the NCAA tournament for the first time. They played in their first nationally televised game uh, in the championship game on ESPN2. I uh, wanted to shout them out and definitely shout out to their coach, Amir Abdurrahim, uh, who was taking that program to new heights. Uh, the Congratulations. We love when, uh, you know, the little guys get big moments. That's what we love in college basketball. We love the Cinderella stories. Another story like that, UNC Asheville, they beat Campbell to win the Big South. UNC Asheville as a team that I've always had an affinity for just because I love Asheville, one of my favorite cities. Uh, I do the Asheville Championship every year. Excited for that this year coming up. So congratulations to those guys. Macy Oteague, by the way, one of my favorite players, a transfer from UNC Asheville, went to Baylor, won the national championship. People forget he played at UNC Asheville. So wanted to point that out. Also, Drake. 
Uh, you know, not to do the Soldier Boy Drake, but yeah, Drake, that Drake, but not that Drake, the Drake Bulldogs. Uh, they beat Bradley to win the Missouri Valley. This is going to be their second tourney appearance in the past three seasons. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to UCLA. Um, that is a team that, uh, you know, they would have won the Big Ten this year. Even though they're not in the Big Ten, they would have won it. Uh, they win the Pac-12 by his, an historic four-game margin, and they go 17-0 and at home. Shout out to Mick Cronin. Um, that's a big thing for him. Shout out to the six players on the Big East first team. We got Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sanogo, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Tyler Kolick, Bryce Hopkins, and Suli Boom. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Kyle, but whenever I've watched basketball, there's only five players that are allowed on the court. But uh, it, it was determined the Big East this year. There were so many good players. They have six guys on the first team. So shout out to them. That was very cool. A couple good names on that list there, too. Oh, heard a couple. Some, would you say Cockburner and uh, Suli Boom? Yeah, Ryan Cockburner. Suli Boom is the one. He's a Xavier. He was not a unanimous selection. There's been some controversy about who left him off uh, their first team. Some people have said Seton Hall coach Shaheen Holloway, who was the Cinderella story last year at, at St. Peter's. They said that he may not have voted for Suli Boom. But regardless, yeah, Suli Boom is the man. He's a great player. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with Xavier. Unfortunately for Xavier, Fremantle, Zach Fremantle is out for the year. He's been out since January 28th, but now he's officially out for the year with a foot surgery. So I hate that. I hate injuries in March, especially for a team like Xavier that's been great this year with Sean Miller. I uh, hate to see that, but again, um, unfortunately it happens. And then my last shout-out today uh, before we get out of here is uh, – I just want to shout out LeBron's tweet about his dream. Um, I don't know if anyone saw this, but LeBron James tweeted. I don't even want to read it because I, I can barely put it together what he was talking about. But he basically tweeted that he had a dream that North Carolina and Duke were playing. And presumably Michael Jordan was playing for North Carolina and LeBron was playing for Duke. Um, and then he woke up before the end of the game. So he didn't even get the end result of the game. Um, it is the first time maybe in history someone has lied about a dream publicly like this. I have never in my life seen something like it, but it, it, it I still have not been able to get it out of my brain. That's why I had to shout it out. Did you see this, Kyle? Did you, did yeah, you see this? I, so I had a different interpretation. I don't know if this is like an inception sort of deal, but okay. I, it sounded like him and, and MJ were in the crowd chopping oh, it up. That's what he said. I thought okay. maybe he was sitting next to him and they were, you know, they were chopping it up. I thought that's what he meant. They're like in the um, final four and, and they're just sitting next to each just other. Just cutaways galore. Yeah. Right. Right. And they're so best maybe he friends. saw a bunch of those cutaways and he was like, that, that influenced his dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm just happy that, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people want to throw dirt on the grave of Carolina Duke and the rivalry and say it's over. It's far from over because LeBron James is dreaming about it. And if you love LeBron James, uh, you know, then, then you obviously have to accept and subscribe to the fact that these are his dreams and this is the reality <laughs> of the situation. You know what I mean? This is North Carolina Duke and they're competing at the highest levels in the mind of one of the best basketball players ever. We love to see that. Um, we love doing this show, love doing OSP. It's great to talk college basketball. I feel like uh, I've just had like a little bit of a, I don't know, I'm a little antsy. I just want to talk college basketball. We've kind of done all the pleasantries. We had the show with Bill. We explained how we got here. I did my little reaction show on Saturday. I'm not even sure what I said again. So I, I apologize to anyone out there that's like, this was incoherent blabber, but that's how I felt at the time. My, my, my brain was mush after watching that game and watching Carolina falter yet again. But again, this is One Shining Podcast. We had a great show today with Kyle Mann. That's producer Kyle right there across from me. And we will be back on Friday. OSP, we'll see you on Friday. Selection Sunday, we got Champ Week. Uh, a lot of good things, a lot of stuff happening in college basketball. Appreciate everyone joining us for this journey. I can't wait for all that's ahead, and we will see you on Friday.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.